So you said you want me to turn my head to the left and cough two times or? Yeah. Okay. I can cool. tell what's going on with your entire body by the sound of your cough. Okay. <laughs> Welcome oh, back. Oh. <laughs> Welcome back to the Chillinois podcast, Dr. Lee. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. Yeah. So people uh, might imagine that you're a physician since I just called you uh, Dr. Lee, but Dr. Lee, could you tell us a little bit about yourself, uh, introduce yourself uh, for folks that may not know you? Sure. Um, well, indeed, I am a physician. Um, I've been working, oh, wow, it's been a long time. I've been working since 2015. Um, and at this point, I basically only do medical marijuana. Um, earlier this year, I was supposed to recertify all my emergency medicine stuff, and I did not. So I am tied to the game. Hell yeah. Well, that's uh, that sounds like a fun game to be tied to. And, uh, and you know, I'm sure you can speak to this. I mean, a good one. It, it's better than being tied to the uh, the people that are, you know, paying for your meals so that you can uh, pump out opioids, right? So Yeah, I mean, there's so many things that you could talk about with American healthcare and so many issues. It's just trying to find something that you feel good about. And, you know, that's that's really it. I feel yeah. like that's what it's all about. <laughs> yeah. Well, really quick, uh, tell us about the services you offer, and then I think that'd be a good segue to talk about the latest changes to the Illinois Medical Cannabis Program, people. There is some news to talk about. But first off, tell us about the mm -hmm. uh, service that you offer uh, Illinois Absolutely. residents and abroad. Sure. Um, well, we are online in Illinois and Michigan, um, also a few other states, but those are the big ones for your audience. And we are doing telemedicine appointments. Everything we do is online. Um, and we have uh, been in, we've been in business for a year. Uh, we really started online. We started in Reddit and other small communities, and that's how I met Cole. Um, and that's kind of where we are. I don't really pay for any advertising. We're basically all word of mouth and SEO modification stuff. Um, and that's kind of been the cool part of all of it. I, I feel like it's been a very natural thing, and it's just been a ton of fun. Yeah. Well, I wanted to take a moment. I don't think I've done this uh, for you, or and I know a few physicians that specifically work to help people get access to cannabis. I wanted to thank you, man, because I truly believe that access to cannabis shouldn't require a certification or, mm -hmm. or you know, much much of, of anything for that rather for that matter. It, it should be as a, a common commodity as a tomato. Definitely. Um, you know, uh, but we live in the world we live in, so I wanted to take a moment to thank you um, for what you do f for the community. Yeah. I mean, things are better than they've ever been before, but at the same time, you know, it's always nice to think about a future that could be better. I, I mean, I personally am currently in the middle of a weird abstinence period that's being forced on me that I don't really <laughs> see a point to. Um, and that's just kind of part of it. You know, anyone who uses marijuana knows that they have to tiptoe around once in a while. And that's just kind of where we are. Yep. It is what it is. Um, I didn't I appreciate that. Thank you. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> um, so before we get to the, uh, well, um, let me write this topic down. Cause I, th I want to segue to the changes, uh, mm -hmm. in the Illinois medical cannabis program. 
Um, can you tell us about a few? I mean, one of them we were just we just learned about ourselves with uh, lifetime conditions. Sure. Uh, well, I do have. Well, I'm not 100% on how it works, but I'm like 99%. Um, so we have the ability as physicians to, you know, designate a patient as having a lifelong medical condition, which prevents them from having to see a doctor again. Um, in the past, I thought that meant that you wouldn't even have to recertify with the state. But at the current moment, I think that the best I can do is get people out of seeing another doctor. I do think you're still paying $50 a year uh, to the state as long as you want to be a patient. Um, yeah, but yeah. I, I say it for everybody. I say yes for everyone. I think that, you know, not saying that, that is like a weird doctor cash grab. <laughs> <laughs> so I try to say yes to everyone because legal marijuana already has its own fees. Um, and then I would say that the other big issue, the big improvement is the price drop. Uh, state of Illinois cut its costs in half to certify to become a patient. Absolutely. Yeah, they dropped dropped the prices. Uh, things are a, a lot better than what they used to be. $125 for three years. So yeah, uh, Dr. Lee, what you're talking about Admittedly, I was a little bit confused as well. Um, I think I've maybe if I haven't talked about this on the podcast yet, I'm excited to to be able to talk about it now. Um, I, admittedly, I was a little confused as well. I spoke with Bob Morgan because you know his when when mm-hmm. the bill passed that allowed for Representative Bob Morgan when the bill passed that allowed for. Uh, well, it said that it removed the 2020 sunset. In other mm-hmm. words, it made the cannabis program in Illinois, the medical cannabis program in Illinois, permanent. It said it also removed the renewal process for patients with lifelong medical conditions. So mm-hmm. when, this, when this bill was drafted, that's that's exactly what I thought it was. Um, but upon further investigation, talking to you and also talking to um, Bob Morgan – um, the IDPH fees will continue on a one, two, or three-year basis, but the only thing that's changing is the physician mm. certification frequency. So lifelong condition patients, like you said, only mm. need to have their doctor sign off at one time. Of, of course, you know, um, it's rec- you know it's recommended that you keep that bona fide relationship with your doctor. Um, mm. But um, that's that's really the change for people. So I'm excited to say that, folks, that yeah. that this is the way I was looking. This is the best way I can describe it. I was talking to a friend today, and he was like, you know, if you think about it, your driver's license expires. You just you just got to buy a new one, and then it then it's good for so many more years. I guess that's kind of cool that the medical card works that way. And yeah. I was like, yeah, that's that's a good point. I mean, it would be cool. I, I, I think that at the end of the day, and I didn't hesitate to tell Bob Morgan this, I think at the end of the day, because some of these patients with lifelong conditions, I mean, their condition doesn't have an expiration date, so why should their card, right? Yeah, I mean, that's definitely the way I feel too. Yeah, I think, I mean, the state, the man, the government, they're going to get paid. So you gotta look out for the people that need to be looked. But out see, for. this and is it's just not. Them. Well, and it's, you know, you make a, you make a great point there. That when it comes down to it, the man, the state, however you want to say it, they're gonna want to get paid. But I tried to use his own lot, and I'm just, 
not trying to air dirty laundry. This was just a conversation, you know, that mm-hmm. I had with him. So uh, I said, because he also has proposed a bill to mm-hmm. that would, um, it got stalled. It hasn't passed yet. There, he said he's hoping to get it in the next like spring or emergency session. But basically the idea of the bill would be, there's, there's apparently excess funds in the Illinois medical cannabis program. And basically he mm-hmm. said, you know, the Illinois medical cannabis program was not created to bring in a profit, it was created as the compassionate use of medical cannabis. And so what the bill would allow for, if it wouldn't, if it would have been assigned into law and, and I'm not sure logistically how this would have worked, but he literally said it would have allowed for a $250, um, refund from the state. It's almost like a stimulus package, a cannabis stimulus package. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, right. And that, like I said, that stalled and never happened. But again, if if I want to use his own words, if the program was not made to use money, why are we charging people with lifelong conditions money? But again, that's that's hopefully something we can we can fight for a change in the future, you know? Well, just to clarify, what I meant was the state is going to get paid. Like, I don't worry about them. They're going to get, you know, their cut. I, I want people to get access and I want people to pay as little as possible. True. So I, I mean, we're definitely on the same page here and I hope Illinois presses through with things like that or, you know, at the very least, I I find it very hard to believe that people in government were like, oh, marijuana makes money. How do how could we not have known that? No. <laughs> it yeah. makes money in every single state. That's a ridiculous thing to say. Like, use right. this money in a smart way. Go through your prisons. Get rid of all the stupid marijuana offenders that don't need to be there. Like, don't I don't even know what else to say. This is just yeah. a ridiculous thing to say. The horse is dead and we keep beating it. Um, you know, uh, I guess the last thought I'll say, I like to take our wins where we can get it or where we can get them right. So the lifelong condition thing, even though you still have to pay every mm-hmm. three years, that's a win. I'm going to take it. Um, that's oh, a it's definitely a win. Huge, sure. huge thing. Um, yeah. Because, I mean, Dr. Lee, I didn't tell you this, but the reason that I that – I, you know, spoke with you. My phys- my physician unexpectedly passed away. I mean, yeah. and that that's a case where you know, let let's not use such a morbid example. Let's say that you randomly won the lottery and you're like, "Fuck it, I'm mm-hmm. not being a doctor anymore." Well, shit, I got to find it, especially here in Southern Illinois where we live down down you know near Carbondale area and stuff. It's mm-hmm. it's few and far between to find a. a physician that is cannabis friendly to, to say the least so yeah um, yeah definitely yeah, um, so this we, is a big one I picked up on that for sure i even reach out to some of these people and they're, they're not like a lot of the times they're not like anti-cannabis they're just bound by their employer or whatever rules right, that right. exist and i'm always like hey you can always send your patients to us because they'll get good counseling and good care um and i've definitely noticed that too it's just you know it's just the way it is i guess <laughs> Yeah. Well, and one last win to take where we can get it is, is like, I think you said, or I said already, mm-hmm. um, three years, a three year card now only costs $125. Did you say the one year cost $50? Yeah. That ain't, and, that ain't um, a bad for price. patients with limited income or veterans, they're 25, 50 and 75. So even a little better. See, that's, that's, that's something. So yeah. it's it's really good. Did uh this is just one one last question I guess about changes. 
to the Illinois Medical Cannabis Program, and this might bore some of our listeners, but I'm just curious. Excuse me. Um, did Ooh. the uh, the physician's experience improve with the launch of this new system? Like, I, I don't know. And I guess have you heard? I I don't know. Just a follow up question: Have you heard from the patient's experience with the launch of this new system that people are happier or more frustrated? Yeah, I think it. I mean, it's not so different. It's it streamlined sure. a few steps. Um, overall, it is a little better. Um, there's still like a finicky part to it, so I'm not like, you know, five stars over here, but it is a little better. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Okay, well, cool. Um, thank you for uh, going over those changes yeah. in the Illinois Medical Cannabis Program. Hopefully, we'll continue to see more. Um, yeah. I have high hopes that we'll continue to see more changes to the medical cannabis program here in Illinois. So uh, why don't we switch topics? You know, mm-hmm. we've got a got a physician uh, on the air. Let's talk about um, a few things that have been popping in the headlines uh, lately. Yeah, um, it's like the and, most fun word to say ever. Yeah, yeah. Why don't you say it for us? Scrometing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think that's the best way to say it too. It sounds like it's the beginning of like a horror movie, like scrometing. You know, it really does sound like screaming and vomiting at the same time. Like I've seen scrometing plenty of times in the ER, and it it really is a scream vomit. Like it's wow, it's no good. you've seen it. <laughs> yeah, it's not. I would say it's not the rarest thing in the world. And being a pro marijuana person myself, you know, and particularly sensitive to these types of things. Um, so yeah, I've definitely seen a few cases. Have you experienced it? No, I have not personally experienced it. Um, a friend of mine has, and he had to take a break for quite a while. Um, but it's not super rare. I'd say the incidence isn't so uncommon. Um, it basically just looks like unlimited vomiting. Like people come in with a variety of reasons to have vomiting, like severe issues during pregnancy, um gastroenteritis things like that um and one of the things on the list should definitely be scrometing or cannabis hyperemesis syndrome um ces or chs sorry um and as we legalize i think it is worth mentioning this so clinicians keep it on their radar you know when people come in and they're puking all over the place we have a we call it a differential diagnosis or a list of things we think it could be some of the things I talked about earlier, and you know, this should definitely be on the list. So, have you been able to gather? And I realize that this is um, particularly new, <laughs> and and maybe even um, it may even become less rare. I guess, like you say, as mm. adult use expands. Um, have you ever been, have you been able to gather what exactly causes this? With many things in marijuana and this, we can't really put our finger on it. Uh, one of the points you mentioned earlier, it's increasing in incidence. It definitely is in states that have mature markets like Colorado. They've shown that the number of cases have gone up from just being you know, mere reports in the early 2000s to having an appreciable number, um, you know, per thousand patients. So it's, it's definitely well qualified to be existing and uh, observed to be increasing in states with legal market. 
Um, what really causes it? I'm not really sure. I don't really even know if we have a lot of great hypotheses in terms of molecules and receptors. Um, in general, we kind of know that the brain and the gut have the most cannabinoid receptors. Um, so I think that certainly plays into it. I'm not exactly sure the pathogenesis of it. I just, I just know that it happens. Um, there are some things in medicine that can happen kind of anytime. Uh, for instance, there's a medication called lisinopril. You can be taking it for like 10 or 15 years and all of a sudden get a cough. Like you don't, you don't get it right away. Like you think you might. Um, and cannabis hypermesis syndrome is kind of like, that. uh, it can happen anytime, even if you've been using it for a long time, um, which makes it a little unusual. Um, one of the other things that I'll share about it right off the bat is that it's usually someone who has no business doing what they're doing. Like a young, oh, yeah. healthy person who like shows up and they're puking, puking, puking. And like, maybe you go back into the record and you see they've been here a few times puking. Um, and there's no like diabetes or anything else that might suggest a different process. And you're like, all right, what's really going on here? Gotcha. Um, so let, let me ask you this question and admittedly mm -hmm. this can be tough to ask because I don't know that it's a question just for a physician. Maybe it's a question for mm -hmm. a group of people and in, including epidemiologists. I don't even know. Sure. Um, but would this be, I'm having trouble phrasing this question, but is it that the instances are increasing or mm -hmm. is it that people are more comfortable admitting that it is cannabis use because it's legal now? Sure. Definitely both. Um, I'm sure it's been happening for generations and generations. And I'm sure that doctors and patients have no idea. Um, yeah. When you look at what's in the literature right now, there is a lot of patients that have died at home um, from complications of CHS, you know, this crazy vomiting. Um, and they didn't even know what was happening to them. Like they generally, the, the way they would die is having an intense amount of vomit and some of them goes into their lungs and they get something called aspiration pneumonia. Um, so this can be fatal. And with its you know difficulty of diagnosis with the things that you alluded to, people not wanting to share, people just not having a lot of knowledge about marijuana related illnesses. Um, people have definitely died of this. Uh, one of the blogs that we put up recently is linked to two case reports that kind of, you know, go through um, what happened with a few people. Uh, it's, it is sad, especially because it is so very avoidable. What, what's your blog so that people can look into this? Yeah, it's on our website, greenmindphysicians.com. Um, there's a blog page and it is pretty, um, pretty recent. I think it's our most recent blog. Awesome. So folks, if you look in the podcast description, greenmindphysicians.com, it'll be in the podcast description. You can just uh, copy and paste it in your web browser if that's easier and you're on your way. Like he said, at the top mm -hmm. of the page, it's uh, green, uh, there's a button that says blog. You can also go to greenmindphysicians.com slash blog to get right there. Uh, yeah, from, thank you. Yeah, from Green Mind Physicians, you can book your appointments um, just reiterating for Dr. Lee, uh, he does medical cannabis certifications in Illinois, Michigan, Oklahoma, and Oregon. Yeah. Um, it's all online. And one thing that, uh, 
that I didn't realize it does say it on your website, so maybe I should have read. But I, it was really cool. I wanted to share this for people. Uh, like mm -hmm. I said, I just realized it says this on your website, but I was worried because our appointment was approaching. I didn't have my laptop completely booted up yet. I was like, oh, crap, crap. I got to join. Got to join. And you can join from your phone. Super freaking easy. So, uh, yeah. It's true. It was, We're trying uh, to make it as easy as possible, and I'm always interested in, like, streamlining the process. So um, always yeah. little upgrades here and there. Yeah, it's very easy, easy process. Um, you were able to answer all the questions that I had, um, and uh, yeah. So just wanted to give you some props there. But anyways, um, the blog post is there, folks. If you want to see it, um, it looks like the the headline sure. is "What is scrumming, aka scream vomiting, and why do we care?" That's yeah. an article about cannabis hypomedriosis. Well, I guess big picture wise, the reason that we care, all of us listening to this blog, all of us marijuana free, friends. Oh, friends sorry. Marijuana. Sorry. I was reading your headline. I was. Oh, I know. I know. I guess oh, okay, I'm, cool. <laughs> I'm rephrasing it so I can move on to my next For sure. Thing. <laughs> yep. Um, I mean, the point is that there are things that go wrong with marijuana, uh, especially habitual marijuana use. Um, and I mean, just being perfectly honest, I'm a lifelong marijuana user all through college, through a lot of med school. It's it's something that is close to my heart for sure. And, you know, identifying these things and sharing them with the marijuana using populace is a position that I feel unique, uniquely situated to do. Um, CHS is definitely one thing. If you know someone who has a ton of issues with nausea and vomiting, they smoke weed constantly, um, in and out of the ER, maybe one of the weird things that we can specifically point to is this relationship with hot showers. So if you have nausea that's fixed with hot water, hot baths, or, you know, someone like that, um, they might have this. And the only solution is to stop smoking for a while. So, you know, that's the information that really needs to get out there. You know, things can go wrong with marijuana use, even if you've used it for a while. Um, and the other topic that we wanted to talk about today, which is the cannabis use disorder, um, it's kind of the same thing. Yeah. Um, so before we yeah, move on to cannabis use disorder, um, how is, uh, how do you like, if I come in with mm. cannabis, if I come in and I'm like, scrumming <gasps> everywhere, right? Sorry. Yeah. I hope that wasn't too loud. I tried to do it off. No, it was, and it was a very believable scrumming. Oh, it sounded realistic? Okay, good. Hey, I've not even seen this before. So that's, <laughs> that's awesome. I could be in a, in a movie about scrumming. Anyways, though, um, what what will you do to me, Doc? Are you going to stick me with a needle? How do you treat, how do you treat mm. me when I come in? Well, if you come in with vomiting and you've made it all the way to the ER, like tried all your stuff at home, it didn't work, you know, you, you talked yourself into going to the ER – I mean, you made it this far, you're going to get a needle in your arm, you're going to get some fluids and probably some medications through an IV. Um, the big thing is the clinical history. And like a big old white man in a coat, I don't know, some old school doctor coming in, do you smoke marijuana? Like I'm guessing the answer is probably going to be no. Um, yeah. But, you know, over time I've got my own thing together. I'm like, listen, you need to tell someone the truth. you got this crazy thing that's happening to you. Uh do you fucking smoke weed because you know it might be involved in this and i mean you could kind of tell when the answer might be yes sure um and honestly people never believe you which is 
what's kind of in the data too. Uh, this behavioral thing where no one thinks it's the weed because weed helps you. You know, weed gets yeah. rid of nausea. So you're in this Well, exactly. That's what I was going to point out. That's kind yeah. of the mind fuck of this whole thing is that weed yeah. prevents nausea. So I wonder if people get in this vi- this vicious cycle of like, oh, mm-hmm. I'm nauseous. I need to smoke. Oh, I'm more not. And then it just keeps going. Exactly. Um, and that's that's exactly part of it. Since we, like we said earlier, there's a lot of receptors in the brain and the gut. So we think the brain's doing one thing and the gut's doing the other thing. Uh, and it's kind of this like push and pull. Um, but overall, the only fix is to you know stop smoking for a while and maybe reintroduce it later. Um, and that is usually what convinces the patient that that's the source of their problem. It's when they finally quit, uh, finally give it a few weeks off, and they feel better. You know, this weird nausea vomiting thing that may have been happening for months or years, it finally goes away when you stop smoking weed. Yeah. Yeah, man man yeah i mean most of it you got to understand most of it dr lee it's not that we uh want to smoke weed every day it's that dr dre told us that that we should no i'm joking i just try to be funny hey you you want another doctor so he is a doctor see that's (laughs) what i'm saying um hey do you want to here's a tip from uh for you physicians out there you can feel free to share this with your doctor buddies if you have somebody come in with cannabis hypermediosis syndrome, is that how you say it? Hypermesis. Hypermesis syndrome. Um, I don't know what the hell I'm talking about. If you have somebody come in with CHS and you're trying to figure out if it is CHS, but they're not being completely forthright with you, or mm-hmm. you're, you're worried that they will not be completely forthright with you, you just and you're trying to figure out if it's can, you know cannabis. You just have to say, hey, do you smoke? If they say no, the answer is no. But if they say what, the answer is yes, they smoke cannabis. <laughs> that's, that's a good point. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because that's – I actually – that's how I figured out a coworker of mine smoked one time because I, I, he, he – I, I saw that he had a lighter in his back pocket, but I just – I didn't want to say that, that that's what I saw. So I said, hey – do you smoke? And he, he said, what? I said, uh, <laughs> what, what <laughs> smoke do you speak of? <laughs> what kind of smoke do you speak? Yeah, exactly. Um, okay. So yeah, that's CHS, pretty scary stuff, folks. If you know people that, uh, yeah, are, are experiencing it, definitely tell them to speak to a physician about it. You don't want to, you don't want to push it. Cause like Dr. Lee said, it sounds like, uh, looks like it can be serious and you know in the interest of preserving your health you know it's it's just better to take some time off if you think you might have this absolutely practice uh, responsible use of cannabis speaking of responsible use of cannabis let, maybe let's talk about irresponsible use of cannabis maybe that's the maybe that's not the way to talk about it let's talk about cannabis use disorder what can, what, what can <laughs> well, you tell I'm happy to talk about my part too because it's crazy i'm a medical marijuana patient i got a new license and they uh have this weird abstinence requirement for me so i mean that's really the whole story and i'm kind of dealing with it and i'll be sober for a few months hey, um, nice yeah nice i mean a well, few months is more than what i would suggest for the average cannabis patient but for me you know it's no big deal i'm not i'm not out here trying to cause a storm and fight the system right now i just want to get through it 
Yep. No, I hear you, man. I hear you. I've been on a few tolerance breaks here lately myself, just trying to practice. Not not for any like like you have a you know whatever you have with doctor stuff and, mm-hmm. requ- and legal requirements. I'm just doing it just to just to work on responsible consumption. So. Yeah. Well, there's trying to make Doctor Lee proud. That's what I'm trying. I to do. I am proud. I think that everyone needs to have some type of rules or limits because you know, like we're about to talk about with the cannabis use disorder, there are things that can go wrong, and um, it's worth mentioning all of it because uh, just to start things off, we used to make a distinction between drug abuse and drug dependence, um, but the most recent psych like Bible of psychiatry, the DSM. Um, they put it together. So they drug abuse, drug dependence, cannabis abuse, cannabis dependence. It has all been merged into cannabis use disorder, um, which is basically just described as a problematic pattern of use despite negative consequences. Um, very broad definition. I mean, yeah. there's some. I mean, there's some obvious things. If it puts you in danger, if you're using an excessive amount, if you're neglecting parts of your life. Um, but there's also some more seditious things that you know might happen on a day-to-day basis. I've had periods of my life where I've definitely had this with cravings, wanting to cut down but not being able to. Um, I think if you've used marijuana for a while, you probably recognize some of those symptoms at some point in your life. Um, but the real thing here is that there's a subjectivity to it. Uh, cannabis use disorder in its name uh, – problematic pattern of use despite negative consequences that cause significant distress. So it's really a, a self-reflection thing. You know, if you're chiefing all day every day and you think you live in a great life and there can't be any improvements, then you don't have this. But if you look at yourself in the mirror and you think that you can improve something about your mental or physical health and that marijuana might be holding you back, um, then it's worth thinking about this and it's worth thinking about moderation in general. Hell yeah. Well said. Well said. I, uh, I hope that, I mean, yeah, I hope that people don't feel that way, but I hope that if somebody is feeling that way, yeah, that they realize that this is a thing. Yeah. Um, Especially like it's a poorly characterized thing too. Like I don't think a ton of people, especially in our marijuana pro marijuana community, you know, talk about it too much. Um, just to give some examples that might really drive this home health wise, um, significant distress in your life in terms of constant marijuana use, um, they might be things like your mood or your sleep. Um, in terms of sleep, we conceive of THC as not being the best for REM sleep. Uh, we kind of associate it with you know, people get sleepy, they fall asleep, but the quality of sleep you might get if you're a frequent THC user is not excellent. Over time, people have a weird relationship with sleep where they can't fall asleep without cannabis um, and maybe even use it in the middle of the night to fall back asleep. It's not awesome. I mean, we're already dealing with a society that's kind of shitty at sleep to begin with, um, and then you compound this into it. It's, it's one of the ways that I feel that I have seen this in myself and then other friends that have you know, used marijuana for a long time is this like weird sleep thing that's poorly characterized. Um, but I kind of I kind of get the sense that it's out there. Um, yeah. Another well, thing. Sorry, go ahead. 
really quick, but I, I do not want you to forget where you're about to transition. But when oh, you, are you when you started your tolerance break, mm-hmm. did you have like super vivid dreams? Because you you absolutely that return of rims. <laughs> absolutely, yeah. and that pretty crazy <laughs> every single time. Yeah. So, anyway, so I didn't want you to. I know one day I'll write a paper on that one too. <laughs> Um, and the other thing, so the sleep one is, I mean, it's here and there, like people who use marijuana kind of have this perception. The data shows that they have the perception that they may not have had the most restful sleep, but overall you're still getting hours of sleep. It's, it's, you know, it's mixed, but it's not the worst. The mood stuff bothers me a little more, um, because consistent marijuana use, like over time, all the time has been associated with. Uh, poor recovery from mood conditions like depression and anxiety. It is, along with the physical act of smoking, I consider this to be the big bugaboo about medical marijuana. We have an entire nation of patients that really think that smoking weed is great for their moods. If you listen to what patients turn towards marijuana for, uh, Number one is always pain, and two and three are depression and anxiety. Yeah. But the data for depression and anxiety is shit. It's not good. It show, I mean, it's not shit. It shows that it can be a useful tool, but over time, if you abuse marijuana too much and fall into this cannabis use disorder, um, your, re- your attempts to recover from depression or anxiety might be worsened. Um, so I'm totally, before I you know, give anyone the sense that I'd, I don't believe in marijuana as a tool for mental health. I totally do. I use it for myself. Um, But there is a fine line here. uh, And I want people to know that there is a difference between using it as mental health and, you know, plunging off the cliffs into using it kind of thoughtlessly and ending up with this, you know, this use disorder. Yeah. I uh, was recently speaking with uh, one of my, one of uh, my longtime friends who's, who's a physician and, um, he was saying, and I, I am curious to hear what you have to say about it. He is, uh, he has like a lot of older patients. I, mm-hmm. I don't know exactly what to call his practice, but it seems like he ha- focuses on on mm-hmm. older patients. And um, so he's got a few that are, are medical cannabis patients mm-hmm. um, that he's certified himself. And he, he has asked me about it because he knows that that I'm a patient and um, mm. that I have opinions about it. And um, one thing that that right off the bat he he asked me about that, or that he remarked rather about he didn't really ask me about it, he was remarking he was because we were having a discussion about how we treat mental health in mm-hmm. the United States with you know whether it be benzodiazepines or ssris or mm-hmm. what have you and the fact that some people use cannabis mm-hmm. he said well the the one difference though that i have with cannabis because i have he said that you know he's got some patients that he has you know that are veterans that he's uh, recommended this is the key word recommended cannabis for ptsd it's not a prescription and, and, you know, yeah, sure. You can talk about allotment and increase, mm. or, or I, I suppose decrease allotment, but, um, that his thing is that, you know, even if, even if you're talking allotment, it's like, 
the method of ingestion varies depending on what the patient chooses to buy. And, and that's the other thing. It's like, it's weird because like the conversation we ended up having is like, it's, he recommends a specific SSRI or a specific anxiety medication or, mm-hmm. or whatever the context may be hypothetically. Mm-hmm. And you go to Walgreens or whatever pharmacy and you pick it up. versus medical cannabis where you give a recommendation and then they go to their, you know, they still go to one of the licensed stores. So for the most part, it's, it's the same, but then they choose from a variety of products. Yeah. You know, and I've heard doctors recommend certain things. It's funny. Most doctors recommend Gorilla Glue. I think that, I don't know. I just think that's funny. It's like, what a, what a, just a generic suggestion, but, uh, (laughs) um, you know, I, I, sorry, I'm talking and talking. What do you think think about? I think that kind of makes sense. But like in, in this situation, I would say that the big difference here, because when you have a traditional medication, you know, you can get tolerant too, and there are different doses and some variances. But in this situation, the titration, like how much you take, how often you take it, it's performed by the patient in comparison to most medications where those adjustments are done by the physician. I think that's probably, you know, a pretty significant part of why physicians are hesitant to go with marijuana because it seems so confusing. Um, When I counsel people, yeah, go ahead. I was going to say, but it's almost okay since it's not lethal, you know, (laughs) like it's like you you have far less worry. Gray area for sure. Yeah. Um, Anyways. Yeah, I think counseling on dosages in terms of edibles, like trying to be really discreet with the number of milligrams is one way you can take it. Sure. Um, And B, and probably more significantly, is that for each medical condition you can get certified for, there's some evidence about whether or not THC or CBD is doing the heavy lifting. Um, A lot of instances, it'll show that CBD really is a chemical in marijuana that's been shown to be more effective and that THC is almost counterproductive. Good examples are like seizures or epilepsy, migraines. Um, It's just kind of in the data. So if you can familiarize yourself with that type of information, like what's real, anxiety is another huge one. Um, which part of the plant is, you know, doing that. Then as a clinician, you can feel a little more comfortable suggesting marijuana because you know a little bit more, you know, about the science that's out there. It just, it takes forever. And, you know, we're not great at teaching physicians about marijuana. Um, So kind of a rambling answer, but there are some ways that you can start to introduce some, you know, concrete things into marijuana yeah. counseling for sure. Well, and for forgive me cuz I felt like you were uh you were mm-hmm. going somewhere and then I kind of what I my question or I was trying to kind of see if if I was picking up what you were putting putting down, I guess. You were talking about how a lot of people treat anxiety, depression, some things like that with cannabis. Mm-hmm. And you were saying, yeah, sure, you know, it may work. And you, you admitted, you know, sometimes you use it yourself to, to work on things or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was trying to draw the relation where it's like with some other ones, it's like you say. It, I was just trying to draw the, the difference. Like if you're trying to if you're trying to treat something, there's this one route where a physician gives you a dose that admittedly Mm -hmm. sometimes you have to work on titration maybe your physician doesn't give you the right dose or whatever so you gotta move Mm -hmm. it up or move it down um but cannabis is just it's just like you say 
or like I guess he said, it's almost like the first experiment in uh, Western medicine where it's like, okay, here's your access. You figure it out. Yeah. I mean, I kind of end up saying that to people pretty regularly. You know, we in the absence of data, whatever works best for you is best thing for you. But try to respect the information that is out there. Try to set some limits and don't chief yourself to death. Do you think that the future of cannabis will be more like a prescription? I mean, do you prefer foresee it? I do not per se, not as we'll experience it in the dispensaries. If there is going to be something more detail oriented, it'll probably be in the way that CBD and THC get into hospitals. I don't see joints going to hospitals. I don't see bonds or blunts going to hospitals. I I see very discreet doses of RSO in a capsule going into hospitals. And in that sense, yes, the future of marijuana is more numbers based. Um, but for you know us treating ourselves, self titrating, probably. Right, right. Any other? Uh, I feel like I we may have uh, gotten on a little bit of a rabbit hole there, but that, I feel like that was a good conversation about the contrast yeah. of, of the approaches of medicine. I think, and one last thing about the mental health in cannabis, um, and this is my bottom line, and I I really am a pro-cannabis guy. I feel like it's a tool, but it should be a tool to get you towards the things that we know have clinical evidence for depression and anxiety. If you use cannabis, uh, fine. You know, we don't, we know it doesn't fix your problem, but you can use it because it'll make you feel better. That should be allowed. Um, but the best scenario is that your cannabis use makes you feel better to the point that you're willing to go to therapy, that you're willing to put in the physical exercise, that you're willing to do the mindfulness, all the things that we know improve your mental health. Um, so in that sense, you know, you feel better, you go for a run, you know, that's a win for everybody. But cannabis by itself is not a great tool for mental health. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's a, it's holistic health, right? Um, yeah, it's, it's just, just part of the solution. Absolutely, just part of the part of the formula. So, um, any other thoughts on cannabis use disorder? I mean, is it? Uh, I know you're a, a doctor, so maybe patients don't come to you. But I mean, I don't know. Do patients come to you saying, "I'm struggling with my cannabis use. I feel like I'm using too much. I am." I would say in general, they do not. Um, but with this most recent experience for me and you know, my, this long standing abstinence, I think I'm going to co- try to incorporate it into my counseling uh, more definitively. Uh, so why do you say I, that? I mean, I just, I want people to live a better life. Um, and sometimes I do get some questions. It's usually from brand new patients that want to know if I have any advice about moderation. It's, it's rarely from people who are using cannabis for a long time. Uh-huh. Um, but, you know, just thinking about what I would tell myself in the past, um, I, it's gotcha. just self-reflection, I guess. I see. Respectable. You're just, yeah. you're, you're I, I think what you're saying is, is that uh, cannabis is a great tool. And sometimes it's such a great tool that, we tend to want to try to get as much use of it as out of it as we can. That's and, a great way to put it. And of course, too much of anything is a bad thing uh, or not a good thing. It doesn't have to be a bad thing. Sometimes it doesn't equal a good thing, right? And so yeah. 
uh, I mean, there's people out there with crazy lives and hard-hitting medical conditions and insane shit that I don't even know about. So if smoking weed makes you feel better and that's really the best thing you've done and you've tried everything and you just want to smoke some weed and it makes you feel good, then, you know, who the fuck am I? Do it. Yeah. I, I just wanted people to show, to understand the information, you know, as I see it and, you know, that's all. Yeah. Well, um... That was a really good discussion. I'm glad we could talk about both scrometing and... Yeah, me too. And now I got some patients that I've been holding on forever, so I actually have to go. <laughs> you do? Okay, no problem. Well, uh, thank you for joining us on the Chillinoid Podcast, Dr. Eric Lee. We'll have you on another time. And, uh, yeah. Thank you for the work that you do. We'll uh, catch you on the next one. Okay? All right. See you later.